0: All right, welcome back to the big program. Nine o'clock in the capital region, looking for a high of about 20 degrees today. A couple showers in and around. Our city techs just flooding in, and uh, X Oil has kind of nailed the one that I thought of uh, when we begged the question uh, at the top of the show. What players do you think had the most impact on any Oilers? Pardon me, on the Oilers team. What players from in the Oilers history? Had the most successful career only as Oilers. Not current company included. Uh, and Xwell comes in and says Yaroslav Puzar. Yaroslav Puzar played uh, in the 80s, won a Stanley Cup. Uh, he also comes in with Anton Lander, but he moved on. Gaetan Haas obviously played elsewhere as well. Uh, other texts coming in, Fernando Pisani. He moved on to Chicago. Uh, only Oilers players. That's what he said. Yar- Yaroslav Puzar is... Uh, Probably number one or two on the list when you think about it, uh, when you uh, check that out. Um, all right. Our Wednesday co-host every Wednesday from 9 to 11 is David Schlemko. And it is now powered by Cougar Paint and Collision. Our family helping your family for over 40 years. CougarCollision.com. Just before we bring in Gene uh, Principe, uh, hello to uh, David Schlemko. How was the, the week, Schlemmer? Did you get some golf in? I got one round in, yeah one that's it. What's that's going it. on?
1: I don't know. We're getting busy. Starting to run some uh some skates, some development stuff, but uh
0: so you're busy at, at NAX and things like that?
1: Yeah, I uh, just getting back on the ice, been running some uh some academy skates with the Parkland Academy out in Spruce Grove.
0: Cool. All right, let's uh, bring in Gene Principe. Uh he's I think he's got a, an appointment at nine twenty with the pun doctor or something. Hey Gino, how's she going, big guy?
2: Yeah, the doctor uh it, he said, I'm sick uh, and I need an intervention, but I'm not sure one is on the way. Good. How's David?
0: So I how's enjoyed Jim? the
2: biz Nasty uh, shaving his body story. Uh, last week, when you would, do, when you were his roommate, he would shave his body as he arrived at the hotel. That 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 was an interesting story and very visual.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, we're gonna try and get him on this week, but uh, it sounds like he's got a little bit of heat on him after uh, oh. he broke that Babcock story yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? I you know. I, I, I it, it's interesting because <laughs> about 2 weeks ago my wife wants to look through my phone and <laughs> uh it's it, you know I I'm it's it's weird you know cuz your phone is is So much of what you do now, and even sometimes, not that you have anything bad on there, but you're not, you're not, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute here. Let me, let me, let me have a look first, just to, just to make sure. So the Babcock thing was quite interesting. Now they they spun it a different way, David and Kevin, after, Mm -hmm. in that it seemed like it was all, uh, you know, friendly and on, uh, you know, okay with Boone Jenner and company, but. Yeah, phones are uh, can be disastrous for you, even though they're very advantageous.
0: Gene, when uh, Karen grabbed your phone, all the, oh. there's just pictures of the cover of Edify magazine. Is yeah, that's all there is, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I cut
2: her out. I just look at myself with my shirt on. <laughs>
0: oh, well, speaking of shirt on, shirt off, uh, you went in the uh, marathon this year. How was that? Yeah. Uh, Long, yeah. Um, It was, yeah.
2: You know, I've always uh, and Kevin. Well, we've been around pro athletes, and you played high level of junior, and obviously David was an NHL player and a great athlete. And so I've always, I've always been uh, sort of uh, enamored with people who push themselves, uh, maybe past. The point they even thought they could reach uh, in athletics, uh, different sports. So, I, and I also always kind of thought, wow, running a marathon, it just, it just, there, there's something about it that always kind of uh, I found interesting. And so I finally decided to. Either put up or shut up, and so I ran a half marathon last summer, and then this summer I I trained. I had an 18 week program that I Ooh. that I took off the internet, and it was a great program. And away I went, and then I I actually ran the marathon, and it was funny because I I said to my wife, I said, "Can you take your shirt off during the marathon?" She's like, "No, you can't. You have to keep <laughs> your shirt on." And I didn't want to ask anybody. I was kind of embarrassed. Like, why would this guy want to know that? And and then about. Halfway through, I saw a few guys without their shirts. I said, I'm taking my shirt off. And away I went, and uh, four and a half hours uh, from start to finish, it was finally done.
1: Awesome. Tarps off, eh? Hey?
2: Yeah, <laughs> and of course. That's the photo that you know. They have a couple photos of you, and that's the one that uh, they, they they give you. You actually sort of uh, I don't even know if you pay, but they they give you some photos of yourself uh, during the run, and uh, that was one of them that they put out publicly. So, uh, yeah, my kids used to always say summer doesn't start till Dad takes his shirt off. So, <laughs> uh, and they still say that, and they're in their twenties.
0: Perfect. <laughs> you, you are you still ref in soccer too, Gene? Uh, you know what? I I
2: stopped refing uh, a few years ago and started playing, and then I stopped uh, playing and started coaching my daughter. So uh, yeah, soccer is always uh, you know when I was when David was probably dreaming of the NHL, I I was dreaming of. Of playing pro soccer and uh, found out pretty quickly that uh, that wasn't going to happen by about fifteen sixteen and so then uh, Kevin if, if you know if you, you can't do it you may as well cover it and so I started uh, thinking boy it'd be kind of neat to be a broadcaster and that's kind of how it all got started one door closed and and you tried to open up another one
0: if you've got a text for Gene uh, Prince a longtime Oilers uh, host on Rogers Sportsnet uh, shoot one off to us at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty i think you know we kind of started in the business in the same time uh were yeah. you, you were 89 in lethbridge or when was it yeah
2: yeah exactly uh, 89 through 92 and uh it was you know i i compare it a lot and kevin you and i've kind of had the same sort of career path that um you you got to pay your dues just like an athlete and some can be Connor McDavid and and get right uh, to a, a sports network or the job that they want right off the hop, and then some of us, you know, you got to slug it out uh, in the minors, for lack of a better term, and work your way up from Grand Prairie to Kamloops uh, to Lethbridge, Winnipeg, Toronto, and then in Edmonton since uh, '98. And you moved here, I think. I think you moved here, Kevin, maybe a month after me or right around the same time.
0: Yeah, we came to the city almost at the same time for sure. Yeah. Gene, where yeah, did you so start out yeah, in yeah, sports? It's, it's
2: a great, it's a great career, and you know, uh, I know David had a great career, and I, I've interviewed him uh, yeah. a handful of times, uh, walk-off interviews after uh, you know periods of play, and being in this city and and being in sports uh, is wonderful, and having David as your co-host uh, sounded good last week, and it sounded good this week. Go Thanks, ahead, Dave.
1: Gene. Appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I was just wondering, uh, so you say you started off in Lethbridge. Did you start out covering soccer or hockey or just a little bit of everything?
2: You know what, David? That's a great question. It was a little bit of everything. I I actually was... so I, I got out of school in uh, in 87 and started working away and I remember when I was in Lethbridge to be honest with you we did we did an entertainment show uh, I covered uh, City Hall and fell asleep a couple of times I remember <laughs> actually just falling asleep during City Council because that just it was kind of boring uh, not that City Council nowadays is boring of course um, and uh, yeah you just kind of did everything and then I got a break in 1990 I was able to move into full time Sports, and uh, you know, here we are, uh, this amount of years later. But I would say, um, and, and you hear this from, well, Jay Woodcroft and other people, uh, you know, enjoy uh, the the process, right? Because not everybody gets to where they want to be, but you you can't stop trying. And so, I look back at those times thinking, I'm not sure I wanted to do it back then, but it all was part of what ended up being my career so I'm thankful for all the opportunities even if At the time, you're kind of going, well, this isn't great. But I think uh, Lethbridge was a great city, uh, was big in baseball and uh, amateur sports. And so uh, I know, Kevin, you've done tons of amateur sports uh, over the years. And it was a great uh, lead in uh, to eventually getting to this point where, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes because I would like to cover some amateur sports and do a little bit. But it's, you know, it's mainly hockey in the NHL.
0: Got a couple of texts coming in uh, to our text line. We'll get to those in one 833 uh, So when um, you moved to Winnipeg, Gina, it was like the Italian hour. Yeah, yourself and Joe Pascucci in, yeah. in Winnipeg. What was that part of your career like in Winnipeg?
2: You know, it was, I, I think it was, I would say the turning point of my career because um, I was in Lethbridge and, uh you know, relatively happy, but I'd spent three years there and kind of was looking for that that next opportunity and Winnipeg came along and it it gave me an opportunity to do a couple things: work in a city that had a CFL team and an NHL team and Kevin, as you know, it gave me a chance like you did to work on a half hour show at night um, and that was really where you had an opportunity. It wasn't the four or five minutes at six o'clock. It was a half Mm -hmm. hour of full sports, uh, all about sports. It was not about weather. It was not about news. And so that really was kind of the turning point. And I guess I should add the turning point in my life, because I met my wife there. (laughs) uh, And uh, (laughs) I always joke she wouldn't leave me alone and follow me to Toronto. Uh, Maybe not quite like that, but yeah. So it's still, you know, we go back there once or twice a year. I, I go back uh, through the NHL and the Oilers, Uh, but it is kind of my my second home or home away from home because of my wife's family, Karen, and uh, a lot of her brothers and sisters there and her mom, so it really was uh, uh, an opportunity to to cut your teeth on the sports that we still cover now, you know, the CFL and NHL.
1: Awesome, Gene. Uh, I love your outlook on uh, enjoying the ride coming up. I know myself, I've Some of my best hockey memories are, you know, playing in the minors and kind of enjoying that grind with the fellas. Um, So you're known kind of as the pun doctor. I'm just curious, has that (laughs) been been something you've always gone with, or where do you come up with all the puns? Do you research them, or they kind of just come natural?
2: Uh, Great question, David. Uh, You know, it started, uh, actually, I remember my first pun, And it was, uh, I was uh, working with Robin Brownlee, uh, who you know quite well, Kevin, and uh, Robin covered the NHL. Ruben, yes, covered the NHL for a long time. We used to do a segment uh, during the intermission uh, uh, with the Edmonton Sun, sponsored by the Edmonton Sun. So we're going back uh, a number of years. And Chris Chelios had done something, I think he was upset at Gary Bettman, or there was some kind of a story with Chris Chelios, and uh, you know, I said something, and Chris is Greek, and I said, uh, you know, obviously he's fed. up <laughs> and uh, it was just like kind of just did it and uh, I think one thing David that's changed over the years is as I started to do them you would get immediate reaction uh, on social media man this guy's an idiot right. get him off TV or wow I really enjoyed that that was funny or whatever you might get and it was usually about 50-50 and so I just kind of started doing it and uh, it, it's funny sometimes because for any of us uh, a little bit older obviously Ron McClain is is legendary in his work, and uh, he did puns. Uh, God bless him in the coach 's corner when they used to do that and uh, sometimes younger kids will tweet oh i can 't believe Ron McLean is doing puns like gene Princeman like uh, <laughs> hang on a sec here uh, actually <laughs> Ron did them Ron did them first, and uh, so yeah it 's just now one of these things that I do, and people seem to like or tolerate and so yeah away we go and and i would say most some just happen some you think of uh some people you know i use my my kids as sort of a audience to see what they like and don't like and either way i usually use it so yeah everyone gets known for for something and i guess for now anyways that's what i'm known for
0: Gene Prince of A, our guest on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440 with co-host David Schlemko. Wednesdays 9 to 11, a couple, uh, well, just a a comment from uh, Hemidog, Uh, Gene, it has been an absolute pleasure to listen to you over the decades. Much respect. All the best to you and your family, which leads me to a couple of other uh, texts coming in. from the Conroys, first of all, congratulations on your soccer team winning Provincials. Our granddaughter plays rugby with Peyton and thinks you are amazing. Also, oh. ask Gino if his daughter is still doing cheer. That comes from Jamie. So a couple of questions to address there, Gino.
2: Yeah, well, that's very kind. Yeah, I think now uh, we, we won Provincials with my daughter's soccer team, the I, I Canadian, uh Soccer Club. And I would say, David, you were talking about, uh, you know, getting on the ice and, and camps and that. I, I have to say, I've... I've I've been not an NHL-level athlete or a junior hockey athlete like you, Kevin, but um, I've played sports and lots of them over the years, but maybe it's because it's the time of my life that I'm in, uh, teaching, coaching young kids and helping them, uh, not just with soccer, but hoping that you can help them uh, with their life. They may not realize it right now, but trying to impart some wisdom, some lessons, uh, some experiences, and hoping that, you know, one day they look back and go, yeah, yeah, right. I remember Coach Blank uh, told me about that, and now here I am in that kind of situation. So I, I, I love that. No, my daughter no longer does sure. She's at the University of Alberta and uh, a soccer player, and, uh, you know, I've got three kids in university now, so it's I, I'm not quite ready to uh, to hang up the microphone, but I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, sort of helping my kids get themselves uh, on their own career paths and finding uh, something that they like to do and hopefully love to do, uh, just like we were able to, to find uh, as as we grew up and hoping they can find it and then not only find it but then also uh do it so it's uh it's interesting uh being a coach and hoping to have a nice impact on on kids and you never quite know sometimes it's right away it's immediate sometimes it's down the road and sometimes it's it's never uh, you can't reach every kid but it doesn't mean you can't stop trying
1: oh, that's awesome gene yeah i agree with you 100 percent on the coaching aspect um myself just coaching the last few years it's very rewarding to kind of help the kids out like you say not even not just in sport but um just in life in general uh one more question i had for you um i know you're you're basically covering mostly the oilers um they're kind of coming into a stanley cupper bust kind of situation here over the next few years um you know what's that like uh you know in the everyday kind of pressers is it kind of tough to come up with another story other than uh you know Stanley Cup expectations or what's that like
2: yeah i th- i think you're you're pretty bang on there david when it, when it comes to that it, it it is a lot related to you know stanley cup or bust as as leon said right everyone's kind of expecting the oilers Uh, to be that team that um, you know when I I was lucky enough to cover the cup final after covering the Oilers in the first two rounds and uh, man everybody I ran into like I can't believe the Oilers aren't here I thought for sure uh, they'd be in the Stanley Cup I figured at least in the final if not winning the cup so when you have Connor and Leon I mean that's it's true, and I remember uh, a couple of GMs ago, Peter Chiarelli said, I mean, minimum, you got to make the playoffs. Minimum. And now I think, David, and you've been on teams that, that have that pressure, and you've been on teams that don't. And I've, through our years, Kevin, are covering the others, I think we've we've seen both sides where you know, they had some struggles for quite a long time and a Stanley cup just didn't seem to be a possibility. And now it seems like that's the only thing that is possible is them to win it. But I will say this, David, it's, I mean, I, I grew up, um, around uh, the Oilers of the 80s and uh, when I say around I wasn't in media, I was you know, in high school and just starting out uh, my career uh, but just to be in the city was feeling like you were around as they were uh, putting together those dynasties or that dynasty and so now to cover Connor and Leon on a day-to-day basis is just—it's an absolute treat. Like, I mean, I, I, I joke that I'm going to retire when McDavid retires. When when he says he's done, I'm done. I'm not sure I'm ready for for another rebuild at that point. Uh, and I think he'll outlast me, just knowing the way he is and how fit he is and the kind of player he is. But it's you know, for an Edmonton kid, David, um, you, you hear it, and uh, from from players who say they kind of always dreamed of the possibility of of playing in the NHL with the Oilers and, and for me I've been lucky enough to cover the NHL in my hometown so couldn't ask for uh, you know for anything more thankful for what I have and not so worried about what I don't
0: Well you know what Gino thanks for all your insight I know you're getting ready for another big season travel's always tough I mean you're away from your family a lot Um and, uh, and I enjoyed all the times when we were on the road because you were oh, probably yeah. the last guy to leave the bars at night, you know, when we were.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that that time. Well, you have to tell David the story yeah. of how you ended up basically up all night. And uh, <laughs> we, we were coming back from New York, David, and, and Kevin can fill in the blanks because I know we're, we're finishing the segment. But uh, Fernando Pesani, finally we got Kevin awake and he got on the bus and Pesani leaned over and goes, hey, Kevin, sleep is not the enemy. Uh, and I knew literally literally slept for about five and a half hours on the flight from New York back to Edmonton. We've had lots of great times. I mean, yeah. uh, we've you know, our careers have kind of mirrored each other, so it's it's been nice to be alongside you uh, for this really enjoyable ride.
0: Uh, good. Uh, thanks, uh, Gino, for sending that story out there. I'm going to have a lot of explaining to do for that, but I uh, wish you all the best for another great season uh, hosting the Oilers broadcast and look forward to it. Thanks, buddy. Yeah.
2: Thanks, boys. Take thanks, care. Great work. Keep it up.
0: Uh, all right, that's uh, Gene Principe from Rogers Sportsnet Uh, We'll come back after the break, uh, talk a little bit, uh, well, Biz Nasty, Mike Babcock. We'll talk about broadcasting, uh, everything with uh, David Schlemko when we come back, our co-host on Wednesdays on the Kevin Carrier Show, Sports 1440. All right. Uh, Always good to have uh, Big Gene Principe on the program. Uh, Welcome back to the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440 with David Schlemko, our Wednesday guest from 9 to 11. Uh, Let's just get this out of the way because it's... Sometimes it's uncomfortable talking about stuff like this. It's a former teammate of yours. Uh, but a lot of news yesterday, Mike Babcock, uh, Paul Bissonnette, he started it all with some comments uh, on the Spit and Chicklets podcast about uh, Mike Babcock uh, asking for players' uh, photos on their phones and then playing or showing them on the on the big screen in the office. And uh, Boy, you're, you can't get two sides further apart. Um, BizNasty's exactly. a friend of yours. Yeah. Uh, and he said yesterday, you know, we are a player's podcast. Right. So he is going to be sticking up for all the players. Uh, the players on Mike Babcock's team, Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, we'll probably hear more today. They're saying, well, there really wasn't any no no foul, no harm here. So you probably had, you know, you knew we were going to talk about this today uh, as David Schlemko joins us. So just your initial thoughts on kind of, when things started breaking yesterday, you were probably looking on social media, you probably saw some things. So What were your initial reactions when all this came down?
1: Well, my my initial reaction was, I mean, obviously a little bit of shock. That sounds like a pretty big personal invasion there. Um, obviously the Babcock and the Boone Jenner statements come out and it's, like you said, kind of polar opposite statements. Um, I was on social media last night um, seeing Biz was trying to back up his story a little bit it looks like he had a text uh from a player who's not not in Columbus it looked like but Mm -hmm. um kind of claiming that he had Babs had done the same thing to him before so I don't know I'm I gotta kind of side with the players on Mm -hmm. this one I think uh it's not gonna do Boone Jenner any good to kind of throw his new head coach under the bus there so obviously he's gonna come out with the statement uh siding with Babs but um out uh, of my personal opinion, there's got to be a little bit more to it than that. And I think Babs' is, uh, his previous – some of the previous allegations from some former players uh, probably doesn't paint really the best picture either for him.
0: And that would have been most notably the Mitch Marner in Toronto uh, right. when he asked uh, Marner about, I guess, to put it simply, player evaluations. Right. And then brought that to light uh, in front of the team.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's tough for a young guy. Um, I mean, you look at a guy going back a little ways like Mike Commodore as well. On his social media, having having babs in Detroit doesn't uh, paint him as the greatest guy either. So, I mean, you look at his success as a coach. So he's got he's had a lot of success. He's got a Stanley Cup. He's got an Olympic gold medal. So he's obviously doing something right. But uh, obviously, rubs some guys the wrong way as well.
0: That's David Schlemko. Uh I'm Kevin Carius, Sports 1440, 926 in the Capital Region. So let's go to the other side. So you're, again, a you, former player. You're looking at it at the player side. So if a coach says to you, um, I want to get to know you and your family better and asks that and says, I want to see, you know, what what pictures have you got of your family? What what reaction would you have if that happened to you?
1: Uh, if it's... Portrayed in that manner, I think I'd be fine with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the way it comes across when you're asking the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. But uh, like I said, I mean, I saw the text that whoever the unnamed player was that sent to biz, and uh, it didn't quite sound like that. So I think it also depends on, you know, you're talking about the Mitch Marner situation. You know, where are you in that room? Where are you on that team? Are you a veteran guy? Are you a young guy? Like I kind of probably affects your your decision and how you feel about it as well, right?
0: Uh, do you have an opinion on this? Uh, a thought? one 401 1440 one 1440 So, I mean, we haven't even got to camp yet. And I mean, now, and I mean, Babcock, yes, he's had a history with things in the past. So if you're a player going into Columbus Blue Jackets camp, in a week or so. What are you thinking?
1: I don't know. I'm thinking uh, <laughs> I probably don't want to make too many comments to the media, honestly. Uh, they're probably trying to downplay this thing a lot, and uh, I'm sure they've had a closed-door meeting about it, and they've all been kind of told or agreed upon what to say and how to comment on this to try to keep the focus on their team and uh, keep the outside noise out, uh, speaking from experience. on from the media side, I'm sure they're going to try to stir mm-hmm. it up as much as possible. You know, <laughs> that there's media,
0: there's, that damn media.
1: <laughs> there's not a whole lot coming out of Columbus, anyways, as far <laughs> as the NHL is concerned. So uh, I'm sure they'll play that up. Um, but you know, this isn't the first uh, the first cell phone kind of incident I've heard. Um, I don't want to mention names, but uh, you know, on a friend of mine, I shouldn't say former teammate, but um, I've heard. Uh, in Buffalo that he also had uh, an experience like that where uh, some management wanted to go f- through his phone and ask for his phone. And as a young guy, you know, it's hard to say no. So uh, yeah, that that's a pretty uncomfortable situation as a young player.
0: Where's the line where management, coaches, um, ownership, I mean, you are working for the team, uh, playing for the team, but where's that line got to be? F- where they gotta say, you know, this is a player's privacy. We have to let him be.
1: Well, I think that's where your veteran leadership comes in, honestly. Um I know I've I've played on quite a few teams, um and it makes a huge difference. You know, like having a captain like Shane Doan or you know, Joel Pavelski, you got guys in the room in San Jose like Joe Thornton, Patty Marlowe. I don't I don't think any staff really kind of oversteps like that in that fashion. Maybe whereas you you got a younger leadership group, younger captain, maybe the the coach feels a little more comfortable uh, maybe crossing that line, so to speak.
0: Text coming in to one 401 1440 This is from Husks where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, Lindsay texts in, let's be fair, that 2014 team that David mentioned uh, that won gold, anyone could have coached that team, the gold it was stacked, well, you still have to have things in place for you to get there. But where where does a team so going into camp? Would you, would there be like a uh, would a team meeting happen? Would it be a players only meeting? Would uh, Babcock come in and address the whole team right off the hop? Like what what do you think happens here when all the players get back to Columbus to kick off camp?
1: Oh, I guarantee whoever was there yesterday, I'm not sure when it broke in the day. If it wasn't yesterday, then first thing this morning, there would be a a full-on team meeting with the coaches, maybe even the GM.
0: Some guys are in Vegas, so Johnny Goodrow is in Vegas, uh, just like Leon and Connor are.
1: Yeah, I mean, whoever's there, and I'm sure that the superstars are kind of apprised of the situation as well, but um, I'm sure they're trying to get ahead of this thing and and put out the fire as, as quick as possible.
0: Uh, text coming in, uh, 1-833-401-1440. Uh, uh, Babcock, much ado about nothing. He wants to get to know the player personally, so asks to see some pictures of the family. It's not like he asked for uh, naked pictures of the player's wife or girlfriend that comes from Brad. Uh, Anthony in the hat, I wouldn't like having all my photos on the big screen as I sift through them to find the ones of family being asked for. Um Guys, uh, most major companies do deep dives into your social media and digital footprint. Mandatory as part of the hiring process, etc. That comes from uh, Kevin. Um, okay, sometimes you, I mean you can't compare a lot of these things between uh, certain companies, sports, um, and I think if you were, uh, let's just say you're a 20 year old player compared to a 30-year-old veteran, well, your phone is going to look a lot different of what you did on my summer vacation. <laughs> right, So, <laughs> exactly. So um, wh- where, where do you, you know, you were talking about the leadership group. So Boone Jenner's captain. Um, I'm sure Johnny Gaudreau is part of that leadership group. So where, where do they kind of address things with the younger guys coming in? What do they say to them?
1: Well, like I said, I think there's probably a leadership group that has a meeting with Babs, and then and then they go to the team. So I think it's it's going to have a lot to do with that first meeting, uh, how they address the young players. But um, obviously they're going to try to smooth things over. You know, you, you don't want any conversations like that going on in the room, especially before camp even starts. I mean, going back to uh, a couple of the texts there, I, I mean, obviously – everyone checks everyone's social media. Now I, I do think there's a little bit of a difference between going through pictures on a guy's cell phone and, uh, and doing a deep dive through their social media. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the other one, uh, I think the first texts that come in, I mean, we don't know the exact story, right? Right. Maybe it. maybe he was just asking for some family pictures and, and Jenner pulled them up by himself and, and showed them. But, uh, the the story that broke on Chicklets yesterday said uh, that yeah, there's, he was going through them or displaying them on the big screen in his yeah. office. So, I mean, depending on what really happened, I think uh, that's kind of what'll decide what was an, what was appropriate and what wasn't.
0: That's David Schlemko. Uh, it's nine thirty-three. Kevin Carey show on uh, Sports fourteen forty. David joins us every Wednesday from nine to eleven. Uh, texter comes in and says if Babs asks the player to prepare to bring photos to share in the meeting, it could be a good opportunity to get to know each other. But if this is sprung on players to see how they react when asked to put their phone phones photos on the big screen, it might not be right. And clearly, an absolute uh, power kind of surge. Agreed. Yeah. So did you have, when you were playing, were there some coaches that had a bigger personality that wanted to kind of um, show that they were the boss, they were in charge, or were there some coaches for you that maybe laid off a little bit and how did you kind of react to either or?
1: Absolutely. I mean, every coach has their own style, their own personality. Um, my most intense coach was definitely Bob Hartley in the NHL uh, in Calgary there. And they, he ran it. We had a young team, but he ran it a little more like, like a junior team. You knew he was the boss, and uh, he was going to micromanage every little thing that went on, on and off the ice. And there was nothing going on that he didn't know about or no detail that he wasn't in charge of. Whereas maybe the polar opposite would be uh, a guy like Pete DeBoer when I had him in San Jose, you know, we had a veteran team with a lot of leadership and um, not that he wasn't involved in a great coach, but um, he kind of, he knew when to press and he knew mm-hmm. when to kind of hang back and uh, I'd leave it up to the leaders in the room.
0: What was Hartley like? I mean, in the sense that, yeah, you could see his, um, well, I mean, every time you looked at him, you never saw him smile once. <laughs> right. He was serious all the time. So what was it like playing for him?
1: Well you know what? He was a media darling though. He was uh he was always smiling uh in the press conferences and uh and giving all the boys credit, but um, yeah. he he wasn't always like that behind closed doors. <laughs> um he was just a very intense competitor. Um, you know, he was a good coach, but like I said, every every little detail he was in charge of, uh he knew how to get the most out of his guys probably the hardest practices I've ever had and you know that was his that was his theory was uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna outwork everybody and we were that team that year that came back and won a lot of games in the third period so you can't really fault him for that Uh, but I I remember when I first came there from Dallas and uh, I met with him at the hotel in Philly and I was like wow this guy is intense you know he's mm-hmm. like oh we're going out for warm-ups and we got our shot blockers on and we got our chin straps done up and we're showing them we're ready to go to war.
0: <laughs> so we're not, you guys must look at each other in the room and go what's going on here?
1: Yeah I mean a couple of laughs probably when he walked out of the room yeah. a few times but uh, <laughs> you know he was uh, overall he was a good guy and he, he had everyone's best interests at yeah. heart. Just, and he's
0: been uh, in Europe for a while now. Yeah, coaching. I think.
1: Has he been in- National is, team? Still uh, in Latvia?
0: I think Latvia national team, yeah. Right. Well, Spec would know that. I mean, the biggest Latvian supporter in the history of Latvian hockey. He's probably drank more Latvian beer than anyone on the planet. <laughs> um, a couple quick texts before we hit the break. Um, this is from- uh, IMac maybe Biz could have waited to bet the story, but likely wanted it out before Babcock or C or Columbus could quash it. Uh, best thing about spitting chiclets is they don't pander to anyone, so they're not afraid or handcuffed as to what they report. Now that is true. I mean, and, and Biz Nasty said that yesterday. Hey, we are a players um, web, We're a players podcast. We and that's where they get stories like this. The players sure. trust them. The players and they know they're not going to. I mean, they're talking to a former player. So do you see that as being a, a kind of the story here too is that players have that ability to trust guys like Paul, guys like Ryan Whitney to go forward with maybe something that's they couldn't maybe do with mainstream media?
1: Absolutely. I mean, these guys are well-known throughout the league. They got a lot of buddies. Um, I mean, even before they started the podcast, they were they were well-known by a lot of guys around the league. And like you said, there's, there's that trust factor there, right? I mean, this story broke just because... Mm-hmm. A buddy of business texted them and said, "Hey, like you gotta you gotta slide this into the podcast. This isn't right." And you know they didn't try to spin it anyway; just tried to stick with the facts of what they had and and tried to tell the truth. I mean, obviously, the truth is up for debate now. <laughs> <What>? Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, besides present company included, did you ever trust a me- a member of the media? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was always pretty upfront and honest with the media. And, uh, you know, nobody really ever wrote too many bad stories about me. So I didn't have a bone to pick with many, maybe in Montreal, but uh, half of them are in French. So I guess that was a little bit of an advantage.
0: Yeah, you're getting double barrels in Montreal, right? Oh, you bet. Well, we'll talk a little bit more with uh, David Schlemko. Media wise, Maybe some road trips, but Gene Principe threw me under the bus already. Uh, a little more with uh, David Schlemko when we come back on the uh, Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440. 942 in the capital region. Welcome back to the big program, Kevin Carey, along with our Wednesday co host, David Schlemko. Uh, text line kind of hopping there regarding the Mike Babcock and Paul Bissonette uh, situation. Uh, Text line is uh, still open, as it is always, at one 833 401 This one comes from Jay in Saskatchewan, and it's kind of an interesting take on this, and we addressed this earlier, uh, actually. Uh, sadly, this is a, a media personality attempting to boost their business. Bissonnette isn't about the players. He's about making money. He's a businessman. I'm curious if any legal suits for slander, libel, come out of this. Uh, that's from Jay in Fort Saskatchewan. Well, again, first of all, this is the most we've talked about spit and chiclets in a long time, so <laughs> Jay's correct. Um, that remains to be seen. That's probably up to Columbus. Um, I don't think it would be anything maybe personally, but maybe Columbus and, well, maybe it, maybe Mike Babcock do look at something like that. What's your take on that?
1: I don't know. That seems a little extreme to me. Uh, you look at a Canadian market, there's stuff like this going on all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he's wrong. Well, uh, I mean, with any media racket, that's exactly what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to get, yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get attention and, and boost your publicity. And I think it helps that Biz kind of posted the text and posted his source. It's yeah. not like he's coming,
0: coming Making out of nowhere it up with this, something. right? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, we touched on it before the break. So Montreal for you was uh, probably the, the toughest media city. Right. Uh, what was Calgary like then behind Montreal?
1: Um well, kinda of two opposite situations. I think in Calgary we were a, a young, overachieving team and the media loved us, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think we were even expected to make playoffs and uh ended up getting into the second round, whereas Montreal we were kinda of on the downswing there. Um I remember my first my first year there I got I broke my hand in training camp so I wasn't playing at the start of the year, but I think we went like one and seven in preseason and Everyone was losing it already and had a real tough start. So, uh, there weren't too many good stories flying around about anybody at that time.
0: Conversely, uh, Phoenix in Arizona, um, what was that like?
1: Oh well, that was that was awesome if you <laughs> if you don't like any negative press. I think we had two or three media guys that covered the team and uh that was about it. You know, you're you come off out of practice in Montreal and the, the entire rooms full you can barely get your gear off or walk around in there and Arizona was a was a completely different story. Like I said, not a lot of pressure and uh coming to the rink in shorts and flip-flops. It was uh much different.
0: So, how many beat reporters would have there be in like in Phoenix?
1: I think there were about three, maybe four.
0: And then you'd have the the normal guys that were doing the broadcasts and, and yep. things like that. But those guys, when you're doing when you're doing team broadcasts, it's not like you are. Uh, there's nothing controversial. You're really kind of staying because you know where the checks are coming from. You know who's involved in uh, in with what and who's in your corner and what you have to do as a to promote the team so in Arizona then like would they have I mean I would assume Shane Doan would have been uh, the media would say can we talk to Donor every day is that kind of how it went or what was it like
1: Yeah I think so most days donor would address the media and like I said that, that media scrums probably five or six guys
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> and quick too as you said you guys are zipping out are you heading to the golf course after or?
1: You know, I wish I would have played a little bit more. <laughs> um you only get four days off a month, so uh once you have kids it's it's a little tough to talk to wife and uh spending a whole day at the golf course, but uh we would get out once in a while. There's a group of us that that lived right on uh in Greyhawk there in North Scottsdale. So we had two courses right in our community there true north was real close mm-hmm. so we got to play a, a lot of nice courses when we went out for sure
0: how did you do that like if, if say if you had an early, were practices early in Phoenix
1: yeah but we were out in Glendale which okay
0: so good. again where did you live in Phoenix then
1: uh, all the players lived in North Scottsdale we had a practice rink there but okay. so maybe around five ten minutes from everybody but we didn't skate there too often the, uh, the setup wasn't exactly NHL
0: what was wrong with it <laughs>
1: Well, it's just a community rink, basically. <laughs> um, I think we had two rooms put together as our dressing room, and uh, where we worked out, the gym was like a public gym. So uh, we actually, you'd see a few celebrities in there. Which oh, really? was, was kind of cool, but um, definitely not uh, your average NHL setup.
0: Did you see the growth of hockey in Arizona increase in the time that you were there? Yeah,
1: a little bit. I think um, Phoenix, the Valley as a whole... Uh, there's a lot of people that move there. There's not a ton of people from there. So everybody's kind of already got their their team from wherever they come from. So it's more of like, a, you know, you win and they'll come kind of a place. So I think it goes the same for basketball, baseball, hockey, football there. They'll get a lot of fan support if they're having success. And, and if they're not, uh, maybe not so good.
0: Our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. You can check out cougarcollision.com. We had a, I don't know if you heard last week we had Gordon Dick on. They were doing they paint the helmets for Rush up T-Birds.
1: Yeah, he was telling me. He's a good buddy. I'm yeah,
0: right. so, yeah, that's kind of how we kind of hooked up with everything here. So he was telling you that story. And about I, th- I don't know if, if that segment caused him to... Um, maybe move a couple cars out of the shop and maybe now he's got like about eight racks of helmets going on or whatever all the teams are probably talking to him so what's your so you go back a long way
1: yeah yeah Gordon and I went to high school together at East Glen and uh, yeah we've we've stayed close since he's uh, he visited me a couple times in Arizona when I was playing there and yeah, he's always helped me out, uh, him and his family at Cougar Collision. They do a great job and uh, actually just fixed up my truck there last year when I got in a little fender bender.
0: Mm, cool. Uh, text line 1-833-401-1440. Uh, this comes in from Kendall. If uh, and, and again, our reoccurring subject is... Biz Nasty and Mike Babcock if Paul keeps attacking various teams and coaches will he eventually get blackballed or blacklisted uh, it's kind of a, an interesting question and take um, you can also look at it like I mean he also does work for TNT a right. lot of work for TNT so does TNT look at this and go make, you know, can they get pressure from the NHL I mean I don't think the NHL is happy with this obviously Columbus isn't happy with this but um, when you see a text like this coming in, what's your reaction to that, Dave?
1: Yeah, I think there's a possibility of a little bit of backlash. Um, I'd heard f- through some friends that he had did get a couple of warnings at TNT when mm-hmm. he first started <laughs> about some of his antics. But, um, I mean, he's pretty well established now. I think there is probably a fine line there of uh, not trying to piss too many people off mm-hmm. and teams and organizations. But... Uh, I mean, they've kind of broken that barrier with the podcast and the work they do. There was that fine line before that they've definitely crossed now. And I mean, that's kind of their claim to fame, so to speak, is they, you know, they get these stories. And like you said, players trust them and they're they're willing to maybe tell them some stories that that you don't hear every day. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a bit of a double edged sword, I suppose.
0: We had Mark Spector on at eight o'clock for "On the Mark" as he joined us uh, every day at eight, and um, his take on this was similar to this text coming in from Ken at one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Uh, this is from Ken. Look, I, I have a low opinion of both Biznasty and Babcock. I never understood why or how Biznasty ever got popular, and I think Babcock is overrated. But Babcock had players willing to come out and defend him. Until Biz's credible sources do the same, I'm forced to believe the Blue Jackets version. Well, the, the difference in that is that uh, when players... Um trust a player, sorry, trust a former player that's moved into broadcasting like Biz Nasty. They are trusting him to keep him out of it. Uh, as right. soon as this guy's name gets out, he's blacklisted. he's gone. Players won't look at him the same. Uh, did you ever have that uh, day where you had to kind of where players were um, I don't know if maybe I guess leaking is the right word, uh, a subject to the media. Um, did you ever have that in your career, and how did you deal with it as a team?
1: Yeah, you know, I didn't really deal with too many players leaking stuff like that to the media. Um, <clears throat> there's a bit of a code in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be that guy who's known, have a big mouth or th- throw someone under the bus or sewer them, so to speak, yeah. hockey language. But, um, I mean, going back to that text, I think it's, you got to be crazy to think Boone Jenner's going to come out and speak against his coach. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't I don't know how much he can really value that statement. He's of course he's gonna come out and echo exactly what Babs said. And like you said, this unnamed player, I mean assuming he's still a player, there's no way Biz is gonna throw him under the
0: bus. Text line, uh, another one coming in, uh, no current player could ever. This is, uh, we don't have a name to it. Please put your name. Oh, it's the Labamba Farmer. Sorry. No uh, current player could ever come out publicly right now. Babcock would end their career. Boone Jenner has no option but to release that statement. So, again, kind of parallel to what you're you're saying, Dave. Um, just before we hit the top of the hour, we're going to have Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun on. And then at 1030-year-old junior coach, uh, Willie Desjardins, who still, isn't it funny how things come full circle? So he was your coach in Medicine Hat. Yep. And now he's back in Medicine Hat and has been for a number of years. He is. Um, he must love it there, obviously. Yep. He's got a good thing going. Um, have you, what kind of team do the Tigers have this year? Have you kind of checked things out?
1: Um, well, they were at the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. a couple of years ago there. But, um, you know, they've got a really up up and coming superstar in Gavin McKenna. Okay. So, um I saw they were, they were above 500 last year and made the playoffs, so... Uh,
0: you can really... Do you keep tabs on your... Like, even when you were in the NHL, did you keep tabs on your alma mater?
1: Yeah, of yeah. course, a little bit. And, uh, you know, coaching in the CSSHL yeah. uh, the last couple of years kind of keeps you in that kind of mix, too. I know uh, McKenna, he's a UConn kid, I believe. I think so, too, yeah. Um, yeah. But he... Uh, he led the U18 division in scoring as an underage in Rink, Kelowna a couple of years ago, so uh, I got a chance to watch him a couple of times, and obviously he's hit the ground running in the Western League, so I'm sure he'll be a big part of whatever they do in the next couple of years here.
0: How much has Willie talked to you and say, you know, what do you think about sending a player from NAX way? Maybe or do you have a little intel on a guy that might be possible, Tiger, down the road?
1: Uh, I haven't really... Sp- Spoke with him on those terms. Um, He also started the Southern Alberta Hockey Academy, so they're a little bit of a rival of ours.
0: Oh, (laughs) Willie's quest for world domination continues. (laughs) We're going to hook up with uh, Scott Billick from the Winnipeg Sun to talk a little bit of Jets hockey when we come back on the Kevin Carrier Show with our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, on Sports 1440. But first, here's a Sports 1440 update with the Duke.